Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mugwon Tower, Mugwon Tower, this is Albatross 13, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Photon bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. One. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Hello and welcome to the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. This is your host, Dayton Johnson, and this episode is going to be groovy. One of my favorite words ever. Uh, we're going to find out if we're going to fashion school or we're going back to the 60s and hanging out in clubs and other random stuff. And to do that with me, I have the co-host of the A Film By podcast and the limited series 1986. Welcome back to the show, Jeff Johnson. How are you, Jeff? Dayton, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. Uh, so, Yes, I said groovy, and yes, I said fashion school, and yes, I said the 60s, because we are talking about Edgar Wright's most recent film, Last Night in Soho. Baby, you don't know what you say. What brings you down, then? I'm studying London College of Fashion. The room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. If I could live any place in any time, I'd live here in London in the 60s. Last night, I saw something in my dreams. And you are? Sandy. I got this kind of gift. I can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? It really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? I want to report a murder. You witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. That killed her is still out there. I have to stop him. Where are you going? I know what you did. I've done a lot of things. You're gonna have to be more specific, love. 
not save me. All right, so before we get into it, please, listeners, do us a favor. Like, follow, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. Any reviews help us. Uh, liking and following also helps you and us, and we very much appreciate it. If you want to re, uh, if you want to interact with us, we are on Facebook at Docking Base Seventy Seven Podcast, on Twitter at Docking Base Seventy Seven Pod, and you can send us an email at Docking Base Seventy Seven Podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon page. So if you want to help cover the cost of this production and this podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us out. So go to Patreon and check out uh, Docking Base 77 Podcast, and there also will be a link in the show notes. So there, that's taken care of. Now, hi, Jeff. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk Edgar Wright a little bit before we get into the movie. So real quick, Edgar Wright's birthday. Happy birthday, Edgar Wright. It's April 18th, uh, so right around the corner. Um, he was born in 1974, so he's younger than me. Makes me feel old. And uh, he actually has quite a filmography, does he not? Yeah, he he has got a great filmography. Uh, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, nothing but hits. Right, yeah. He has quite a filmography. And, of course, uh, the very famous uh, Frost and Peg trilogy, uh, of course, which started with Shaun of the Dead, which is the first one of his I saw. You know, mm-hmm. first one I got into. Um, Hot Fuzz and, of course, The World's End. Uh, you know, he also had Baby Driver. Uh, and doing the research for this, I did, was not aware that he actually wrote the screenplay for The Adventures of Tintin for Spielberg, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Ant-Man. Yep. So that's not too bad, not too shabby, you know. Um, now, do you have a favorite Edgar Wright movie? Uh, I do. And uh, you didn't mention it right there. A lot of people would probably go to uh, Shaun of the Dead. But uh, I got to be honest, my favorite Edgar Wright movie is probably Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's the only right answer. He's famous. Hey, I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. He's famous and he talked to me. The only thing keeping me and her apart is the two minutes it's going to take to kick your ass. Can I have your your autograph, please? What's up? How's life? He seems nice. So, (laughs) oh, okay. I love that movie. Uh, That movie is fantastic. That's an upcoming episode right there. I'm just going to tell you that right now because I love that movie. You Please know. have me back for that one. I'll talk all yes. day about that movie. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I uh, we're, We keep encouraging our daughter to watch that because she's a huge MCU fan. It's like, well, there's a bunch of MCU people in there. So you got to, yeah. you know, you got to watch it. So yeah. yeah. All right. Very cool. So uh, yes, that will definitely be an upcoming episode. Um, so you recommended this movie to me. Uh, so tell me uh, when and where did you see it for the first time? Were you lucky enough to see it in a the theater? Uh, I was actually. Um, okay. I remember the first time I saw the trailer actually uh, last uh, last year. Um, me and my father had went to see the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Right. That came out the first week of October, and we saw the trailer for Last Night in Soho. I immediately looked over and said, "We need to come back and see that." And <laughs> it came out I think two weeks after that. It was a it was a end of October release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he and I went back to the Cine Bistro, and. Uh, you know, as the song said, uh, went downtown. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very good. Uh, yeah, actually I picked, uh, I rented it on, uh, from Redbox, uh, DVD, uh, twice actually Blu-ray, um, on your recommendation. So that's why I chose you to talk about this movie. 
because oh, well. uh you know why not you see you you liked it and we'll get into the details but um you know i know you liked it so uh what are some of the things you liked about it? tell me uh likes uh things that jump out at you first immediately i'd have to mention the production design um yes the movie looks gorgeous um amazing costume amazing makeup uh the cinematography uh, you know I, I can't say enough about that right and uh, even the special effects because there are a, a lot of really cool special effects i'm not talking about just the uh the faceless ghosts i'm talking about right. uh just like just the mirror the screen mirroring that oh, yeah. um oh yeah that uh thomason uh and uh anna taylor joy had to do right right so I, I really loved that about it, and I absolutely was just obsessed over the soundtrack. This is a great soundtrack. Um, I, what surprises me, it just really, I mean, I know you and Brad had recently done a snubbed at the Oscars, and and boy, talk about snubs. Like, this did, <laughs> this got no love. I know, uh, right? And, and as far as, and what I tell people when they ask me, like, well, what, what do you think about it? I, I tell them. This is my pick for best picture. This was this was my favorite movie of last year. This was what I thought the best picture of last year was. And granted, uh, there's a few that I haven't seen that were nominated, right. so maybe my opinion will change. But as as it stands, uh, I think this is the best that I saw last year. All right, all right. Um, I can tell you, I agree. Uh, with the the production quality of this movie is very good, very good. Like for, even from the very beginning, like um, when uh she's dancing around in her room. Like when the door opens, yeah. it says that shot, you know, almost like a silhouette down the hallway. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it just, yeah, the overall look, especially when they go back in time to the sixties, you know, the city oh, streets, yeah. the lighting, uh, how he really makes an effort, um, how the lighting, uh, complements the mood, you know, it's very mm-hmm. bright and very colorful when, uh, everything's going great. And then it's, very dark and sinister when it's not. And, you know, it, oh, you can yeah. tell they took a lot of time in planning that. And yes, the costume design is very nice. I mean, everybody looks either so awesome or so horrible in the 60s, depending <laughs> on where they are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I mean, Matt Smith looks like he walked right out of a James Bond movie. Oh, yeah. Um, in the 60s uh, stuff that we see him in. I love, I, I just, the dude looks like he belongs in the 60s. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I could say the same for uh, Anna Taylor Joy, um, her Sandy character. Just wow! I mean, we'll talk about a bombshell. Yeah. Um, just believable, very believable, as far as I was concerned. It didn't look like a like an homage to the '60s. It looked like we were watching something right in the '60s. Yeah, I love the uh, the movie theater marquee that had Thunderball on there. That was Ooh, a yeah. beautiful touch, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of the things I really liked about the movie was. Um, Anna Taylor Joy's performance was very good. Uh, I've I've only seen her in a few things. Um, obviously, I've seen some of the uh, Queen's Gambit, and whatever. Um, but uh, the, she was really good, really, really good. Um, I haven't seen mm-hmm. a whole lot of her other stuff, but uh, she had a lot of things going on in her portrayal uh, of Sandy. Oh yeah, uh, my first my introduction to her was probably uh, I'd have to say it was Split. Yes, the that's uh, right. M Night Shyamalan movie. Um, right. To to see her go from something like that to something like this, and see the just how grown up she is, and how confident she is right. uh, playing the Sandy character. Um, yeah, I I just think uh, she's fantastic in this. Yeah, Absolutely she totally fantastic. doesn't look like the same person. You know, <laughs> no, <laughs> I had to, not, not at all. Oh, 
dark, long hair. Okay. <laughs> like it's yeah. not a completely different look. So yeah. Um, yeah, she was really good in that. And uh, so yeah, her performance is really strong. It's one of the highlights for me uh, for the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, and I agree. The soundtrack is amazing. Um, I think there's some standout uh, tracks for sure. Uh, the Kinks, The Who, Dusty Springfield, and Anna Taylor Joy's version of Downtown was actually quite good. It was surprising. Her, like yeah, her. Uh, I know she did two. I know Edgar Wright had her do uh, more of a up tempo version, uh, much like the original. And then she does the acapella one. Right. And he, I, I know that after I was watching some behind the scenes stuff on this recently, and he said after he heard the slow acapella version, he he just fell in love with it, and knew it had to have that version. In, right. in the movie and right. it's so i mean who who would have thought that her voice was that good when you're alone and life is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got troubles all the noise and the hurry seems to help i know downtown just listen to the music of the traffic in the city Linger on the sidewalks where the neon signs are pretty How can you lose? The lights are much brighter there You can forget all your troubles Forget all your cares So go downtown Things will be great when you're downtown no finer place for sure downtown everyone's waiting for you i know (laughs) i mean she's amazing yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh lots of talent there that you know we're we're unwrapping with the different roles she's in so yeah Mm -hmm. um i also got caught off guard by uh got my mind set on you because you know being uh, a child of the 80s and so used to the george harrison version that came on i'm like Oh yeah, right. That was a cover. <laughs> I, you know, when I first heard it, I, w- I thought, "Wait a minute, that's a George Harrison song." But right? then I thought, "Wait, now we're we're definitely hearing something older than his cover." So right. I yeah. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah. You know, you hear you, sometimes when a movie like this comes along and gives you a, a very specific soundtrack, it's neat to rediscover songs. Uh, you know, that you think you thought you heard the the original, and then you you, you find out that you're, you were you've been listening to the cover the whole time, right? Right. And I I like the original more. I got to be honest. Oh yeah, it it definitely has that '60s feel that was missing. I mean, obviously, when Harrison did it, it was more '80s fied. You know, let's put it that way. So, uh, but yeah, I think I agree. I think I do like the original, um, even though uh, you know Harrison's version was more beaten in my brain thanks to radio play. But uh, yeah, now I, you know me, how I feel about soundtracks. Uh, soundtracks always help. Um, there are examples of really bad movies have great soundtracks. Uh, mm-hmm. Daredevil with Ben Affleck. I'm looking at you. Um, uh, I, I, can I look right at the Crow City of Angels? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. And so this is one of those that, um, and those, it didn't even help those movies. So this is one of those that where the soundtrack does um, 
help the movie and it sets the tones for the scenes and the, the song choices are perfectly placed. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm sure almost 100% Edgar Wright's doing and placement. So that's, that's great. He's, he is known for having a lot of music in his movies and very well placed. So it, he mm-hmm. continues that trend. If I can tell you uh, one thing I do know about him uh, and the making of this movie, it, it was heavily, heavily influenced by his mother's record collection. Uh, nice. So a lot of these songs, uh, he's he's very much like a, a Quentin Tarantino where, um, or a Martin Scorsese, where he'll build a movie around a soundtrack in his head, and uh, this 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 is no different. Um, even even the the title, um, "Last Night in Soho." No, I I just thought it was cool. Um, it, it I think the original title was uh the red the red light area, which sounds really really boring. Sounds really hookerish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it went to um, the working title became uh, the the night the the night of a thousand uh, eyes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, bland. It was uh, it was actually a conversation with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, the song "Last Night in Soho" by mm-hmm. uh, Dave by uh, Dave D. Dozy Beaky Mitch and Titch. <laughs> which is quite a mouthful. I was going to say, I try to say um, that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mitch, and Titch. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're doing that, uh, that bit from, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Death Proof, uh, you know, <laughs> but that's, uh, cause that's where I first heard about that group uh, right. on that soundtrack. But uh, it turns out it was Allison Anders. I don't know if you know her work. She was one yes. of the, one of the directors on uh, four rooms. Uh, QT basically told Edgar Wright, this song title is the best song title to never be used in a movie. And okay. after, yeah, right. after that conversation, Edgar Wright's like, you know what? I think we have our, our actual title now for this yeah. movie. And it fits. I don't. Yeah, it I does mean, fit. I don't, much more than the red light area. I'll say that. <laughs> yes. That, that's a whole different movie. I think that's a I whole that. different movie. I, had to yeah. think I saw that in the back room of a video store once. <laughs> I was never in there. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, no. And so, yeah, it's, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, uh, yeah. It, Cause I remember hearing the, seeing the trailer and hearing the title. I'm like, okay, but what does that mean? And then I started thinking about now after seeing the movie, it does make sense. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not that the thousand eyes wouldn't have made sense. Uh, but I think last night in Soho is a little bit more catchy. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more and, catchy. So, and a little more fitting with the, the vibe of the movie, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So what else? Especially do you like? if you know, like, uh, <laughs> besides what else do everything. Like? What else? Do you <laughs> besides like? everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else do I like? Uh, well, you know, the performances are incredible in this movie. Uh, you can't, you can't talk about this movie without talking about the, um, the, the late great Diana Rigg. Uh, this right. was her final performance, right? Actually. Right. So, um, you know, for for the older crowd who loved her on the Avengers, you know, right. the, the the BBC uh, '60s Avengers, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, I was I wasn't I didn't really know her until um, Game of Thrones, and then I f- I found out like oh wow she was like a a famous actress in the '60s '70s, so right, great right. to see her. Um, you know, see, I, I love seeing. seeing I was the, more the, familiar with her with uh, because of uh, Muppet the Great Muppet Caper. You know, she was oh, in that's that. right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where I got. And then later off working at Suncoast, of course, learning of the Avengers TV show, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, that was my um, first real uh, introduction to Diana Rigg. Yeah. But but as far as uh, as far as likes, I love uh, 
the casting where you've got some really tremendous talent um, from an older generation, you know, to, you know, again, Diana Rigg and right. definitely Terrence Stamp, who right. I absolutely love. Right. Um, and then you've got this, uh, this younger cast, you know, you've got, you've got a uh, Thomas and McKenzie, you've got Anna Taylor joy. Um, you know, there's, and you know, there's, there's some other names I'm forgetting, but uh, it's just great. It's, it's, yeah. it's always nice to see performances from a younger, like up and coming generation and complement that with, with an older generation. Right. Yeah. And well, the casting of Terrence stamp was a nice red herring because oh, he totally yeah. looks like the older version of Matt Smith. You well, know what I mean? So, which I'm sure was totally on purpose. So you're thinking, uh-huh. you know, like, you know, you're following her little quest to figure out what's going on and to solve that quote unquote murder. And so, yeah. And and he's just, he's just being him, you know, he's just kind of walking around. Mm-hmm. He's got that nice little, he definitely has a saunter to his walk. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this before, before I say anything further, uh, is this a spoiler free or a spoiler well, full? We episode? were going to say, spoilers ahead let's just do okay that. so okay if you want to go watch the movie and then come back that's cool um because uh, i will try not to completely spoil let's just put it yeah. that way it's hard to talk about this movie without giving away <laughs> some some major things so I'll, I'll do my best to like right. you know but uh, i i agree with you anyone that is uh ha- hasn't seen this movie uh i would strongly recommend they see it uh and then and then maybe listen but you know right I'm right. a guest, so that's your call. <laughs> yeah, that's up to them. Like I said, when planning this, I started thinking about because I mean it's been out for a few months. And uh so yeah, I when making my notes, I said the reveal instead of you know telling exactly what happens. So that's yeah. kind of how I'm gonna play that scene. So okay. well, <laughs> but, I mean, there's you know, like you're talking about Terrence Stamp being such a great red herring. When you watch this trailer. Uh, whether you're watching the domestic or the international trailer, I mean, they really hook you in and, and make you believe, you know, th- this is this is the guy. You right. Know? So, well, the thing about the trailer was after watching it again, I'm kind of like the trailer really doesn't tell you anything. You know, what I mean, no. it, it, which it just it kind of shows it's it's flashy. It shows you the, you know, and and I guess and that's OK, because there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of questions in the movie that you are supposed to try to answer along with uh, Ellie on her mm-hmm. little uh, psychological, you know, journey uh, through sixties and modern, you know, England, London. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, they really did kind of paint him as the, as the villain. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which, well, I mean, yeah. his, his performance, uh, be it, be it him and uh, or, or just be it the writing. Yeah. I mean, he never, <clears throat> even, even when, when Ellie's talking with him, you know, he, he's, I, th- I think at that point he's known as just the silver haired gentleman. Right. Um, they call him Hansy something. Yeah, uh, yeah. The one, the one, ba- the one bar bar, uh, the one bouncer calls him Hansy says he's, yeah. he's got more, more arms than an octopus. Right. 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 Um, and then the barmaid, you know, I think she refers one, you know, she calls him by his actual name, Lindsay, but right. uh but uh, yeah, I think in the credits he's known as uh, Silver Haired Gentleman, if right. I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, that's how it shows up on IMDb as well. Yeah, but uh, just his just his reply to some of uh, Ellie's questions, right? I, I mean, he's very he's very vague. So right up until the very end, you just don't know who this guy is, and you don't right. know if you, sh- you you don't know if you trust him, you don't know if you like him, you don't know if you hate him. Right. Very yeah. well played by by Stamp. 
one of the things I really liked was um, the almost full circle of him being introduced and um, the the end of his story. Because uh, one of the first things he says to Ellie is, you know, watch out for the cars, you know, because she yep. wants to get hit crossing the street. So that lends itself, you know, uh, that's a nice little circle back. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Like yeah, the, neat little callback. Yeah, there's there's a there are things in this movie I do really like. Mm-hmm. So and, yeah, just, let's let's talk about what you well, what you do like. We, we pretty much covered most of them. I mean, uh, <laughs> the the acting for the most part is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Anna Taylor Joy is, is stellar. Uh, Matt Smith is so creepy. You know, like he seems so, you know, cool at first, but you're like, nah, there's something going on there. And of course there is, he's a horrible person, <laughs> you, yeah. know? <laughs> you know, and, but he does it so well that, I mean, it's a great performance, you know, and I, you know, to be fair, um, I'm not a doctor who fan, but I know he was a doctor, mm-hmm. who, you know, one of, you know, one of the doctors, but, uh, he was really, really good and he was so good. I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's. There's, there's several there's several performances in this movie where the actors are doing a really cool uh, transition. You know, yeah. uh, Matt Smith, and and again, I don't really know him from Doctor Who. I don't right. I don't watch that show, but uh, his his introduction. You know, when when we meet Jack in the '60s, he's he's cool. I mean, he is yeah. Vincent Vega cool when he goes out on that dance floor <laughs> with the cigarette and the drink in his hand, and he's still got the moves. Um, it's like, man, I want to be him, but then you're right. Once we peel back a little bit on Jack, you know, we find out what he actually is all about. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a terrible person, right? You know, he's, which, he's yeah, yeah. very, yeah. And you hate him, you yeah, know, which leads me to the question. Um, when Sandy asks to talk to the club owner and the bartender, re- re- you know, refers her to Jack, the question I have, does the bartender know? what kind of person Jack is and what he does. And if he does, then isn't the bartender complicit in all the horrible stuff? <laughs> I would, I would say, I would say they, they would be, I, I don't know that they're in on it though. I, I think right. Jack is such a good hustler and the, that he sold himself. Um, right. And maybe Jack doesn't even want to be the character that he is, but uh, no, I, I would think uh, he, he sells himself enough that, you know, they're like, oh yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy right. I talked to. Because if you recall, um, the the headliner, Cilla uh, Black, right? You know, she's at the bar with him. You know, and, the, and you could tell they have a comfortable relationship. So, no, true, I think maybe true. he's. I think maybe he's just. He's just. Uh, he's pulled the con on on these people. You know, right? And they've allowed him to be part of their their inner circle. Okay, all right. That makes sense. That makes sense. There's there are things like I said I like about it. I I I like the look, yeah. the music. The the performances are are strong, but unfortunately, I don't think that's enough to win me over. And that's okay. So so that's why I want to get to uh, some dislikes. Now okay. I know that might be hard. Well, real for quick, you. real quick. <laughs> It'll be hard for me, but real quick, let me ask you what one more thing as yes, far as a yes. like. What did you, what did you think of Thomas and McKenzie, uh, in in the role of of Eloise Ellie? Uh, it's a young actress. I mean, she's playing. She's seventeen, playing eighteen. Yeah. And uh, I had not seen her in anything other than um, the King with uh, Timothy yeah. Chalamet. She had a really small role in that. So, and and you got to give her credit because 
she's in a pretty much every scene. I mean, she's yes, leading she this movie. That's yes. a lot to ask for a, from a young actress. Um, what do you think, though? I I think it's I think it's uneven. Uh, okay. I, I I think I might have been a little bit more than she was ready for. Uh, with yeah. all those different things going on, and and some of that I think is on Edgar Wright. I don't think it's all her fault. Uh, I got tired of her scream. To be really honest, uh, it's like the whole Kim Basinger in the nineteen eighty nine. Is it, is it Kim Basinger? Yeah. Okay, because I think she screams, you know, a, a dozen times at least in this movie, and and there's got her performance is okay. She didn't. Oh. Sell she did not sell. She didn't, I, okay, and and like I said, I I put that, I put a lot of that on Edgar Wright, which is one of my biggest complaints about this movie is we don't get enough of her before she goes down that psychological nightmare of a path we know yes her mom had mental health issues and killed herself she's stuck in she's raised that little town and she gets to london and she's such a sore thumb you know she sticks out like mm-hmm. a sore thumb she's she's instantly scared the the taxi driver frightens her instantly she hides in the store i mean which is fine so you get a little bit of information she doesn't hang out with her roommates and the other students there she's in such a hurry to get out which is fine i understand i wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with those people either i just felt her performance was lacking and i like i said i put a lot of that on edgar wright because we go right from her showing up and hey cool and then she goes back to the 60s and uh everything's great and then all of a sudden it's not going great and over and over again she gets sucked into this she can't control it okay i understand but she never we don't learn enough about her before she spirals for me to care. And I think that's yeah. really what hurts the movie is I wasn't rooting for her. I wasn't hoping for her to figure it out. I wasn't cheering for her to get help, you know, like, cause she's having a you know, mental breakdown, basically get help. You know, okay. and that's nothing that drove me crazy. It's like, Hey, she, you know, John keeps reaching out to her and like, I'm here. Her, her grandma keeps saying, I'm here to help you. And she keeps ignoring everybody. So she's, it's, it's kind of self-induced and I get that it's hard for people to reach out for help, but at some point she can't control it. And she keeps saying, I can't control it. So get help. You know, she does go to the cops on a murder. That's, you know, 50 years old. So <laughs> I, you know, I it's, and like I said, that is not on her. I think that's a, a writing and um, director, you know, directing choices that they don't develop her enough before she slips into this insanity. And, and that's okay. a We're, big thing that blocks me. So I, I can, I can agree to an extent with you on the, the background of her ability. I will call it her ability. Right. Um, you know, we get a, a quick, you know, she's, she's back home. She's had that fun little opening dance number. She finds out she's getting into, um, the University of London Fashion, London right. Arts, um, and she has that moment where she looks in the mirror and she sees uh, the reflection of her mother right. staring at her. Right. So you're kind of like, okay, is this this is this just her having some kind of moment, you know, or does she have some kind of ability? So I, I will agree with you. It's too. Confusing. It would have been nice. Yeah, it would have been nice to. To get a little more, I mean, I typically don't want to be spoon fed certain things, but I feel like maybe we could have got a little bit uh, more understanding about her ability to to see things, you know, right. whether it's whether she has some kind of 
psychic ability or you know or or, or what i don't know I, we, they really never really discuss it openly they never right. really talk about it um and it, i i don't know I, I feel like right almost leaves it vague for you to wonder does she have some kind of supernatural ability or is she going crazy because you know we know the mother had some some issues with mental illness and and killed right. herself right and you almost wondered well did the mother have this same ability you right. know and maybe maybe it was too much for her i don't know well but, maybe um, the grandmother does too and and that's why she keeps saying are you okay and maybe yeah. the grandmother was able to deal with it which is why maybe she moved to that small town away from stuff you know where they stayed uh, away from london good point. but they don't good really point. address that and that's yeah. and i think because yeah like i said is it a power is it an ability is she just you know has she just lost her marbles is she just you know having a mental breakdown because at first when it, it made sense when she was in the house you know mm-hmm. and kind of picking up the vibes i get that but then it follows her everywhere and so my question is um does she see her mom in the mirror because that was her mom's house is that where she grew up does she because so there's no there's no ex, you know there's no rationale behind it i mean yeah so that's i it's it feels like a great idea they wrote it down and then they started shooting it and couldn't piece it together and that's kind of it's just too disjointed thinking about the thinking about the some of the dialogue um i'm just now i'm just now recalling uh the grandmother does know that she can see her mother because she asks you know right you know and uh because Eloise says, oh, I haven't seen mom in a long time. Right. Um, and yeah, to your point, you know, it, the, the seeing her in the mirror because it was her mother's room or her mother's mirror, that would almost make sense because of how she's able to see Sandy uh, right. in London. Right. But then again, at the end, she sees both of them in a mirror at a fashion show. So I know which there's no ownership. So yeah, that would, that would be my dislike. Uh, we're a little, it's a little sloppy. Right. As far as like the understanding of her power is concerned. Right. Um, see, and the, and the that, fashion show bothers me at the end. Completely bothers okay. me. Because she goes through all this stuff, all this horrible things. And then, oh, everything's cool. Everything's fine. You yeah. Know? I, I, and I don't, under, I don't know if she's able to, is, is it because does she see them because she's kind of in contact with them? Is that why she can see them? If that's the case. And that, because that's the only thing that makes sense to me, I guess, ultimately, is if she only has this ability if she's come in contact with these people. And they're, yeah. and, but I don't know. Cause to me, it, at first, it seems like she only sees her mom because it's mental illness and she's seeing what she wants to see. Yeah. And then, and then we're, then we're led to believe maybe it's an ability. I mean, is it an ability? And so it's yeah. just, it just, it's just a little too confusing for me to totally buy in. And I don't like how, all that stuff happens after the reveal. And then all of a sudden, you know, Oh, it's a fashion show. Everything's fine. And it just seems a little bit too, like a nice little bow on the end of, a, you know, a, a nice little Hollywood happy ending. You know? Yeah. I, mean? I, I think, I think this is a situation where uh, a, a quick title card, you know, six months later, net following spring, whatever would have helped because we see that she's, she's got a different hairstyle, you know? Right and and uh and john's there with her and the grandma so you can right. tell that there's an established relationship there um i just kind of looked at it as okay we've had some we've had some time pass she's got she's gotten over it she's focused on her studies and now she's a success at, at school um 
but it, it again it, it it's kind of it kind of cuts right to it like yeah it, like it's, it's the following weekend so yeah, i get it yeah you're it's, I can it's see. very sudden it's very sudden yeah i mean yes the hair changing and obviously they had to finish at least a semester or whatever their time frame is on school but it just seemed to be so abrupt you know yeah With everything we I just saw prior to that it just seemed like okay you know yeah I will say just because you mentioned her her uh, coming into the city and immediately being kind of frightened, uh, especially by the cabbie who right. I get, you know, you can you can hear that guy's dialogue and see how he's maybe just being like from a different generation, just right. like, you know, just not knowing he's inappropriate. But um, but also I could see where, you know, a young a young person be creeped out by behavior well, yeah. like that from a stranger. But um, I think sometimes it, it has to do with the editing, too, because. There's actually there's a scene in between the train and the cab where she kind of she gets conned slash mugged. I wouldn't say mugs a strong word, but, uh, you know, she has a, a run in with with someone in the train station, subway station, whatever you want to call it. Right. Who who takes money from her. You know, right. she mentions in the in the cab, she mentions like, I'm a little short on money. And he's like, oh, we could work something out, <laughs> you know. Right. Which there's a let there, you know, depending on how you take the context of that, that could be <laughs> very creepy and very yeah. scary, or no. it could be like, ah, oh, okay, well, well, so, then she automatically, yeah. well, then she sees John who offers to help her with her luggage and she automatically thinks he's a creep too. So it's like, yeah, well, she has, she's just, she's, she's a fish out of water. She's not, yeah. she's this little country girl who's never seen the big city and here's all of a sudden she's in the big city. So I, so with that in mind, to me, it, it leads, it leads me to think, that it's more of a um a mental health issue than mm-hmm. an ability. And I yeah. think that's why I like I said, I it, it tells me one thing and then tells me something else. And I, that's that's where it starts to lose me. It can't make up its mind what what is going on with her. So I think that's yeah. a, that's my biggest issue with the movie. And just and just to defend her one more time, just because I, I mentioned that, that that deleted scene, because <laughs> uh, you 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 jogged my memory when you talked about John helping her with her luggage. Mm-hmm. So the con the con artist mugger, that's basically, and I'm sure that's probably why the scene was cut because it's it was kind of too similar. Uh, similar, but when she's getting off the train, she's struggling with her baggage. So okay, this guy okay. kind of grabs her bag and says, "Oh, you know, I'll help you, love," and he. You know, and at first she's all like wide eyed and like, oh, everyone's helpful and it, London's great. And then he kind of turns on her and, you know, kind of threatens her in a way to to take money from her. Gotcha. So, okay. So you know, when she See, gets real possessive, helpful. that would exactly. have been helpful. So that, I, yeah, I was that's, watching, yeah. I was like, you know, I said that they could have left that scene in, but that's why she seems so um, protective of her things yeah. outside okay. of school. When yeah. when John's like, and John, I mean, this guy, he's such a nice guy. He is. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He is. Uh, I will say one thing when they go to the Halloween party and they just yeah. do simple costumes, you know, they paint their faces um, mm-hmm. with his uh, features and painted like that. He's kind of horrifying, you know, he, I'm, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way because it's a Halloween party and you're supposed and they're yeah. dressed up and it's like, she still looks like this cute little kid and he looks like, you know, like a, you know, a horror monster. He really does. So yeah, I, I feel like. Get, that's cool. I don't know who's doing the makeup, but uh, because he has like that little makeup kit, so uh, he's definitely into it more because his makeup <laughs> looks good and hers is kind of like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, he tried, but right. uh, <laughs> fun, fun scene though. Because uh, one thing I like about that scene, this movie is chock full of classic, you know, 60s rock and and pop, yep, and that's the one scene where we get uh, Susie and the Banshees, the Banshees. yeah, yeah. 
And that's right? just and that's a cool song. So yes, I like yeah. that, you know, even though it's 2021, we're still keeping it keeping it retro <laughs> yes. at the party. So well, that's that's everything she does. She's retro all the way, you know. She is, she is. Well, I mean, I, I thought if there's if there's ever a uh a, a, a protagonist that you're gonna get behind. It's it's the girl that loves her record collection and takes it everywhere she goes. You know? That did make me like, happy. This, trust this me. girl loves her vinyl and Dayton is going to be a fan. I did enjoy that very much. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did, which is also one of the reasons why I um I enjoyed the soundtrack because you know yeah. it's it's that whole that thought process and that you know because you know those were her mom's records so that's yeah. you know the the nostalgia for her and the emotional connection so yeah and then I like how she buries her I mean. Like a lot of people do, they bury their heads in their headphones when they're walking around and mm-hmm. stuff. So, so yeah, Dave, if you, if you, yeah, if you push me to, to tell, to say something else I don't like about it, uh, and this is just the fan in me saying this, um, I wish there was more Terrence Stamp, uh, you know? <laughs> well, she spent so much time in the 60s, he just wasn't there. You know what I mean? So. I know. I, I, and I get that you need to keep him kind of elusive and, and, right. and creepy, but, uh, you know, anytime you get a chance to see General Zod, uh, <laughs> you know, he's been in other I'll, movies. I'll just, I know. Other I know. movies, Jeff. Come on now. <laughs> Jeez. I anyway. know. I, I loved him in that. I loved him in, well, you know, Wall Street, Young Guns. So yeah, I can I can think of plenty of them, but um, let's see. The, yeah. the Limey, uh, Adventures of Persona the Limey, in the yeah. Desert. So he's been, you know, oh, he yeah. has a, quite a career. Quite he's a career. got a big career. Yeah. Yes, he does. But uh, yeah, I just, I think Terrence Stamp is such a great actor. And um, I wish we could have saw more of him. Yeah, you know, I love the scenes that he's in. I just, I'm being selfish and I want more. That's all. <laughs> all right. Well, how about a favorite scene? Favorite scene would have to be for me um, Ellie's intro to the '60s when she discovers uh, the Cafe de, de Prairie. Uh, you yep. mentioned it just a, a little bit ago that uh, that James Bond Thunderball. Yep. Uh, on the marquee, that that uh, that moment where all the color, all the life comes, you know, great, great choice of song and her whole intro into the, into the place. And, and, and for the first time seeing, not only does she use the mirror to kind of see into the past, but she is the character, right? Right. right. That mirroring that they do where she realizes that she is, um, you know, Sandy, I love it. Yeah. The yeah. whole, the whole, that whole long sequence is uh, fantastic as far as yeah. I'm concerned. From the time she pulls the covers over until the her alarm goes off, I completely agree. It's actually my favorite scene too. Um, from her when she walks in, and we get to see the Weasley brothers, you know, because yeah. the, the twins, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which it, the first time I didn't catch it, and then the second time I'm like, holy crap, their hair isn't red. That's what threw me off. So you know, yeah. Uh, you, when you see them, you're like that. They look familiar, but you don't right. know who they are. Right, right. And then you're like, wait a minute, I know who they are. Which, you know, it's a brilliant idea to cast twins. So that way there's one of each. So they don't have to use mirrors on them. And, you know, and yeah, then, smart. so that was smart. And her walking in and going on the stairs, anytime that her reflection uh, was being used as Sandy's reflection was really cool. The dance number was was pretty uh, awesome. So, yeah, every every part of that opening her introduction to the 60s at in that club and everything into the Sandy character was awesome that was mm-hmm. by far my absolute favorite scene and in a way it kind of almost goes downhill after that for me so <laughs> well you know it's and it's i think it does such a great job of setting up how confident and and uh and sexy uh sandy is yes absolutely um 
Anna Taylor Joy, when she when she walks into that that place, I mean, she does it with with such bravado, like she owns the place, right? You know, Miss Cilla Black. Hello, you're a gorgeous creature. What's your name? Sandy. Care to join my friends and I, Sandy? Thanks, but I'm here to meet the owner. I am the owner. Oh, I doubt that. And. uh you know, this is the '60s, so you know there, there's a lot of misogyny, you know, oh, on, yeah. on male characters' part, and and I love how she just immediately shuts them down in and puts them in their place. Yeah, uh, you know that first guy, that first guy that's kind of a kind of a pig to her. You know, and I think even yeah. uh, Matt Smith calls him a pig. Yeah, uh, I, I love how quick she is to be like, yeah, you're not the guy I need, I need to talk to. So yeah, but see, here's the problem: she's so confident, but yet so easily gets manipulated by Matt Smith's character and so yeah. quickly and, and just leave, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just leave, you know, yeah, if she you, gets charmed pretty quick yeah. by him. And I understand she might not have any place else to go, but that's gotta be better than it's gonna be better where, where the story takes her. So that's another issue I have is she's so awesome when she walks into that place, you know, and you're right. She shoots down all those other guys and all that confidence. And then it just is gone in, yeah. you know, so quick. I think she's so desperate to be a star that she's willing to buy anything that Matt Smith is going to tell her, you know, a yeah. Jack, I guess we could call him his character's name, Jack, um, you know, cause she's, she's enamored by him. And then it's kind of one of those, those manipulation things where at first he's like, yeah, just listen, this is how it goes. This is how we work. So he's selling her on the idea. And then it's not far before like he has like that, that pimp mentality Yeah. where he's now he's violent and now he's aggressive. And he's like, you're going to do this because, you know, I say you're going to do it. And then she's trapped and yeah. now she's a victim, you know? And it's, uh, it's the Sandy character is such a, I, I love that character because we see her go from confident and uh, maybe a little naive, you know, to to the victim to someone that's not the victim and i won't yeah. give you know right, we'll be right. careful not to give away too much but uh <laughs> but um you know because when you ultimately and i can say this to you without giving anything away when you consider sandy's actions as on, on a whole right there's some things that she does that you clearly shouldn't dis that you clearly shouldn't agree with yeah. And there's things that you can maybe, maybe justify in some <laughs> cases, but it's hard, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, man, you, you really have to make up your mind. Like if you're, if you're in all, if you're in with her or, or you're not, because uh, she's, she's, <laughs> she, she is shades of gray, I guess I could say. <laughs> well, uh, I did like how the, through the second viewing, um, it, it made more sense to me when she talked about the smells in the summer. So oh that, Yeah. That made a lot more sense yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So like I said, there are things I like about it, but to me, it just, it misses what it's going for. And that's, yeah. you know, so I, I find it funny. We both have the exact same favorite scene. So that's yeah. just cracks me up. <laughs> now, can I mention uh, one scene? It, it, it was a, it was a strong, for me, it was a strong competitor okay. for uh for best scene. Um, and I only mention it because it almost wasn't in the movie. All right. Um, her, uh, Sandy's acapella uh, audition at the Rialto. Really? When, uh, when she sings. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, um, that, ha- that didn't exist. Uh, the writer and I apologize. I'm forgetting her name. 
Right. And uh, I feel terrible because she's amazing because she co-wrote uh, 1917 with Sam Mendes. But uh, oh, nice. she co-wrote this. Yeah, she co-wrote this. Um, and she basically told Edgar Wright, like, look, we've got to have one more scene with Sandy in the 60s. And right. he was like, uh, no, we're, we're good. We got enough. And she's like, no, one more. So they came up with the idea for the audition. And I think it's in such an important scene because for all her confidence and all her, I'm going to be the next big star, you know, that's the one scene that tells us the audience that she actually has the talent to back up what she's saying. Agreed. Agreed. And it makes her, it makes what happens to her more tragic because she really, she really does have talent, you know, and this, this could have easily been, there's so many movies where like the, the young girl goes to the big city to make it big. And then her dreams get, you know, smashed and, she ends up in a more terrible situation. Right. And uh, this, this shows that Sandy had it, you know, she yeah, had she what it took talent. and it was uh, just a uh, right place, it, wrong time. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I So yeah, without that scene, it doesn't quite, um, there's not that extra layer for uh, Sandy's yeah. character. So uh, the, it was co-written by Christy Wilson Cairns. That's her. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So there we go. Great writer. Absolutely. Fantastic writer. So um, did you have a least favorite scene? Uh, yes, tie and it's tied, it's connected to my least favorite character. Uh, so, uh, I will say my, my least favorite scene, um, probably has to be, uh, Ellie's first night in London when her and her new, uh, quote unquote friends go to the toucan. Yeah. Um, I, here's the thing with the scene. I feel like, you know, cause it, it opens with, uh, the, the frat boy, you know, that, that guy being just making a repulsive comment to the group well, of, of girls and, um, you know, and then you, you kind of see that how that plays out because like the, uh, Jocasta, you know, who is, um, like the, the alpha of that group. Yes. She quickly turns that guy's, uh, ugliness and, and directs it right at Eloise. Yeah. You know, when you, and I feel like, okay, so shouldn't there be a little solidarity? You know, this douchebag just walked up she doesn't and care. said something. She doesn't care. And she, she immediately puts a target on, on, on Ellie. So I get that, you know, okay, we we're we're meant to not like Jocasta. Okay. Right. That's fine. But then the moments later in the same scene there, she's hiding in the bathroom and then Jocasta and the other girls come in. And then Jocasta just totally tears her down and I kind of feel like it's overkill. So it's a bit much, you know, either, either give us the frat boy or give us the bathroom scene. I don't think we need both. Like we get it. And the first five minutes of, of Jocasta being on screen, if you can't immediately recognize that you don't like her, (laughs) then you're not paying attention. Then then you're not paying attention (laughs) or you're, or you're a terrible person. So I, I don't think that we need, such a you know do we need that scene maybe but do we need it as elaborate no yeah, gotcha. i'd say cut it cut it a little bit gotcha what about okay. you uh well my least favorite scene is actually the reveal um whoa yeah at the I end don't think it, i don't think it's okay. a payoff i don't think it's enough of a payoff and it's it's way too confusing um and i it i don't know i'm because like i said even the second time watching i'm kind of like okay <laughs> Uh, so it it was I I I I liked aspects of it, but it was such a big build up to not much. And ultimately, to me, it just it it was it fell short. 
it just wasn't as exciting as I was expecting. Um, you know, it, just everything from, I don't know. It just, it, I don't know. It just to me, cause it was confusing because you see one thing for the whole movie and then it's completely changed. And why did it all of a sudden change is my only, is my biggest issue with that is we're okay. seeing one thing over and over and over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, Nope, just getting into this. And so that I just, so, and that, that goes back to her, her power, you know, why was she seeing one thing for multiple nights? And all of a sudden now she's seen something completely different. And it, to me is a little bit. Eh. So, but uh, okay. I know, uh, and, that's fine. and I knew you're going to be mad at me when I said that. So that's fine. And I'm used to being, I'm used to having unpopular opinions. That's fine. I've I will. I will. I will try to do my best Matt Smith <laughs> swinging sixties dance through a landmine. Uh, <laughs> You know, a field of landmines, so I don't give away <laughs> any, any big spoilers. But uh, to, to, but to, my rebuttal to that would be, um, <laughs> it's one of those things where I feel like you go back and you watch this a second time, a third time, and you start seeing small, small little things that were planted. Yeah. It, again, it's like the sixth sense. Like we don't, right. you don't pay attention to all the little, the little clues that are put right in front of you, and then you go back and you're like, oh, whoa, that you know. So for me, the the big reveal, um, my confusion was with what um, um, Terrence Stamp's character was was yelling at her before, you know, in his final scene. I'll, I'll right, say right, and I was a little confused, like, okay, who the hell is he talking about? What's he talking about? And then the the big clue, you know, when she's sitting down and um she sees what she sees right uh on the you know oh but this is this is not easy date <laughs> you could the, just the say big reveal yeah no no i yeah <laughs> i could say i could say i respectfully disagree dayton uh, <laughs> i i was like when i saw the reveal before it's told to us like there's a visual clue i was like whoa wait a minute you know cuz the whole time you're assuming two things about Sandy. Right. And then, and then in that moment where you find out that both you're wrong about both, I, I loved it. I was a big fan of that. Okay. That, that twist. So, all right, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was okay, a hard so, thing to say. <laughs> I know. Right. So I'm assuming your hated character is Jocasta. It's gotta be. Yeah. I, okay. I just, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, uh, she's so, even before she starts saying things that that do piss you off, just her attitude and the way she carries herself. I mean, like with the first thirty seconds, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna like her at all." <laughs> and then I'm, I'm glad because I'm, you know, clearly you're not supposed to. You right? Know. No, she's a terrible not. person. And hats off to the actress that that played her because yeah, which well, is fair. Like, it's kind of it's kind of mean, you know, because I kind of feel sorry for her playing such an awful character because sometimes people associate your characters with who you are and yeah. know, I, don't want, I don't want people to associate an unknown. Cause she's like, it's one thing to say Matt Smith because everybody knows him, you know, as, do mm -hmm. as the doctor, or whatever. So he has a career. She doesn't have a career yet. So you kind of hope she gets over that hurdle. <laughs> yeah. I would hate for her to like that. Yeah. I'd hate for her to just be <laughs> stuck in like direct to DVD stuff where she just plays a bitch right. for the rest of her career because she did it so well here. Yeah. She was, she was horrible. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's hope she gets to to play the protagonist next time. Right. Uh, um, she's, she's talented. She has, yeah. some good, she's a good actress, but uh, 
And yeah. oh no, she's a great actress because we just can't stand, stand her. her. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, I think the last time I hated someone this much on screen was probably when Jack Gleason was playing King Joffrey in Game of Thrones. It's like, <laughs> you, I couldn't wait for that little shit to get what was coming to him. You know? <laughs> and that's just, and that's the thing about her, about Jocasta. She doesn't get a comeuppance. But she does because, you think? Uh, oh, because Ellie gets all the attention. Ellie, well, yeah, the okay. fashion show, and you can tell there's jealousy there. And so, yeah, I think she gets it because she kept making fun of Ellie and uh, trying to beat her down. It turned out, you know, Ellie's better at the whole fashion thing than she is. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Cause, uh, she's, she does that through the whole movie. Even when, even when the other girls find out that Ellie's mom killed herself, she's quick to be like, yeah, my my great uncle, he did that too. Yeah, right. And they're like, you're so brave, so brave. Yeah. She wants all the attention on her. She wants, yeah, she needs all the attention, and she, ugh, I I don't like her. I don't like her one bit. <laughs> all right, well, see, my least favorite character, most hated character, is Jack. I I hate that guy. You know, I okay, really, well, you, you should. Yeah, you're supposed to. Um, <clears throat> I hate him more than her, more than Jacasta, because as you know. A college student, Jacasta doesn't know any better. You know, okay. you know, Jack's been making obviously making a living off of uh destroying young ladies, you know. Yeah. So he's I think he's more hated or hateable than Jacasta. She's just a stupid kid and he's a horrible, you know, yeah. manipulator and destroyer of lives. So he's he's the one I hate the most. All right. Well, now I gotta be careful. Uh, uh, here's what I'll say. <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I picked Jocasta over, over Jack because, you know, I, he's a, he's a monster. He he's the bad guy yeah. of the movie. So I, I mean, for me, it was like, I knew, I, you know, once I saw what he was really, what he really was, I, I was like, yeah, you, you're not supposed to like him at all. Right. Um, Jocasta. Yeah. She's a, she's a stupid college girl but she's still a bitch and i just i don't like how she treats ellie i yeah. just don't so right. it's yeah. your it's it's your choice that's fine <laughs> yeah i um, just want to say i do not condone jack's behavior and good. i agree with you that he is very hateable in this movie <laughs> all right so uh <clears throat> did you feel sorry for anyone yeah, hundred. What? Well, yes absolutely okay uh, did you feel sorry for 100 i felt sorry for john Yep, this kid. <laughs> the one thing, if Jack, or I'm sorry, if John did one one thing that you could consider not likable, he accidentally drank her can of Coke, which he does re- apologize and replace. replace. Yes, he apologizes. He yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this kid, I, I feel so sorry for him because he's just trying to to sympathize with someone. He's trying to connect to someone, right? Who may or may not be psychotic and <laughs> and on top of that this let's not forget this kid you know he's he's just trying to look out for her. Right. she invites him up to the room hey i'm not supposed to have male visitors after eight so you be quiet and then she has a total freak out you know right. with the with the sandy vision i could you imagine what this poor kid is thinking you know and then on top of that he gets chased out of there by by uh by miss collins and does a spectacular John McClane <laughs> barefoot run over glass and right. you know, leaves a pint of blood on the floor. Well, and she never forget. once. Well, and let's not forget. He also, uh, what happens to him at the reveal, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, come on, you know? And then, uh, I don't know. There's just so much that happens to this poor guy and he keeps coming back for more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about devotion. Right. You know, this, 
I, that's if there's one thing that's nice about the uh, the ending where we flash forward to you know right. the happy ending. At least you know they, he 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 clearly is now the boyfriend at this point. And he's right, right. He's paid his due, so I, I hope she's she's being nice to him because <laughs> even after like the day after school, you know maybe maybe she could have done the nice thing and said, "Hey, are are your feet okay?" Like. <laughs> I, I cleaned up like a pool of blood that was right. clearly yours and she doesn't say anything. And it's, it, and it's him going, I just, Hey, talk to me. Are you, are you okay? Yeah, right. I know. So I, you know, and like, yeah, again, what happens to him at the, the, during the climax, you know, the movie um, big, big moment. Yeah. This kid takes a lot of punishment. Yes, he does. Yes, and he does. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that the reward is there for him tr- <laughs> truthfully, you know? So yeah, I felt oh, bad for him. Very funny. Very funny. <laughs> And I hope I'm seeing his yeah. name right, Michael Ajayo. It looks like, but that's I, I I'm going to guess. Think it's, I, I think you're. I think you're right. Um, but he was good. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in anything. He has other very than this. A very very light uh, list of credits. So well, I hope I hope to see a lot more of him because I yeah. he was another one when I talked about great performances, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned his name because I I I, I had lost it momentarily um, when we were talking about the young the younger cast. He right. he's fantastic in this. So you know, would love to see him in in more stuff. Yes. So let's uh, let's wrap it up with overall impressions. I'll go first because mine's a little more negative than yours. Um, okay. <laughs> it's like I said, it's a beautiful movie. There's no doubt about it. It's a beautiful movie to look at. Uh, I, I dig the soundtrack. There are some strong performances, but I feel like overall, it doesn't know what it's trying to be, and it fails to deliver us a a lead character that I can relate to and want to root for. And so with that in mind, the thriller aspect kind of fails because there's nobody you're cheering on, I guess is the way to put it. So um, <clears throat> counterpoint, I would say, uh, again, love the movie. It's probably my favorite from last year. Um, I, you know, for all the things that you said that you did love about it, I certainly loved about it. Um, I, I say see it because it's one of those where even if you walk away liking it a little bit, you're going to go back and see it again. And you're going to try and find the clues because the more times you see this, the more they're in your face. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not, if you can't figure them out, it's just got such a great soundtrack. The The production design is, is spectacular. The, I mean, seeing, seeing London, uh, you know, 60s London with current London, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I, lo- I loved every uh, visually. This movie is spectacular. So yep. that's why I love it so much. Okay. Okay, so let's slap a rating on it. Uh, this is a new uh, thing I thought up for the show. We'll see how this goes. So okay. uh, here's our choices. Uh, we'll never never again watch it. I'd stream it. I'll pick it up used on DVD, or uh, I will spend the money on the 4K Blu-ray. So uh, where do you fall, Jeff? Uh, as someone that owns the 4K Blu-ray, <laughs> I say this is a must-buy if you like this movie. Uh, it's loaded. Uh, it's got two audio commentaries on it. It's got nice. tons of deleted scenes. It's got uh, all kinds of uh, behind the scenes uh, video. And mm-hmm. it's all like in the, the the menu on the disc is like a seamless menu. So you okay. can see everything without it having to reload and load. And uh, I learned so much more about the movie just watching some of the extras on the disc. So for me, it's a 4K Blu-ray. Okay. Definitely. All right. Uh, How about you? So- after twice renting it um, through Redbox, if I was going to watch it again, I would probably just stream it. That's, okay. you know, uh, I don't even think I, you know, I'd pick it up on DVD. Uh, 
you know, you I, see it, this at half price books for like five bucks. You're not going to go, eh, one more time. No. Cause at this point, you know, space is becoming, um, you know, an issue. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, moving things around, but, uh, no. Can I ask you one? Can I ask you one more question? Uh, of course you can. Um, when it comes to, and I know I'm asking because I know they did like a double vinyl, uh, release for the soundtrack. Yes. So yeah. when it comes to the soundtrack, Dayton, is this a, <laughs> is this a, uh, you, and I know, I know, I know how you were at. So is, would this be in your collection or would this, uh, would you be like, nah, I'm good. I, uh, to be, to be honest, I've been eyeballing mm-hmm. the, the release from Mondo who does amazing, yeah. uh, vinyl oh, collections. It's beautiful. I've been looking at it a couple times. Okay. Um, I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I honestly can say that I've been looking at it. I've been eyeballing it. It's a beaut- I mean, yeah. Mondo does amazing stuff. The Iron Giant soundtrack I just picked up is from them. Ooh. I got one from yeah. uh, Say Anything as well. So they do wonderful work. Um, my daughter's uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Once More with Feeling vinyl is also through mm-hmm. them. So yeah, I'm looking at it. And I think that's one of the great things about this movie is it's got something for everything. Everyone, you know, you yeah. might not like the movie. Like, okay, me and you. I love the movie. I'm not going to go out and buy a soundtrack for it. Right. You know, I'll listen to it on Spotify, which I know is uh, sacrilege as far as you're concerned. No, it's okay to listen. To but, it. I'm not but, saying you shouldn't listen to stuff on Spotify. But but you know, you're you're not going to buy the movie, but you're considering the sound. You're considering yeah. the soundtrack. So yeah. I like that it has something for both of us. Yeah, and that's true. That is true. All right. Well, Jeff, why don't you tell us what's coming up on the film buy? What you got going on? Uh, we're going to finish out this month. Uh, I think we got, uh, another 1986 episode coming up, uh, next. Uh, we're doing Michael Keaton is red hot right now. We just oh, yeah. talked about him, uh, recently. Uh, he did that movie, uh, Amy Heckerling's Johnny dangerously. We're talking right. about Michael Keaton again. Uh, we're doing gung ho. So, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you remember that one, that's a fun one. And, and then we're going to go, we're going to get back into, um, on a film by, we're going to be talking, uh, at the end of the month, uh, we're doing Brian De Palma, who I feel is one of the, the greats when it comes to, uh, the, the neo-noir genre. Right. And, uh, doing a little movie. A lot of people haven't seen, but they should, um, called body double. Oh yeah. I remember that. You remember that one? I do. Absolutely. Remember that one. Yeah. So that's what we got coming up. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit what's coming up here on the month of May. Uh, May is going to be pretty awesome. We're going to start off. Uh, we're doing. Um, it's going to be a full house. Actually, you're back for this one. We're doing uh, our top seven MCU quotes. That's going to be a oh, lot yeah. of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we're staying in that universe. Uh, we're going to talk about my favorite of the MCU movies, Captain America: Winter Soldier. And then granddaddy of episodes for the end of may <laughs> we're having a two-part episodes uh two-part episode for um the prequel trilogy from star wars as well as the disney era trilogy we're going to compare contrast and that's gonna be a full house i think there's five of us at this point going to talk oh. about those movies so uh, you are going to be that's gonna be tough for you to wrangle us all in because uh, so much to say about those two trilogies there's so a much lot to say, say. <laughs> Yes, there is a lot to say. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, looking forward to all of that. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule and coming here and spending some time with me. Absolutely. Um, you know, excited to talk about this movie and thanks for the opportunity. Wonderful. And now I want to thank the listeners. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your day and listening to what these group of people have to say about a lot of 
ridiculous stuff. So there you go. And uh, just do yourself a favor, watch more movies, and definitely listen to more soundtracks when it comes to watching movies, your favorites, and listening to your favorites. Physical media is better than streaming. This has been the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Or you can send us an email, Docking Bay 77 Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.